we're concentrating on the Godly family. So on this Mother's Day, we're going to appropriately address Godly motherhood. For this occasion, as I mentioned, uh, the Spirit of God dropped His message in my spirit just uh, recently last week. So first of all, reading two verses from 1 Corinthians. First of all, 11 and 3. 1 Corinthians 11 and 3. But I would have you, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now turn over to chapter 14. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. You married ladies look across that pew there. That's the man. Amen? Your husband there. 1 Corinthians 14, 34-35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. <clears throat> they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And of course, uh, the specific disallowing here or the etiquette silence uh, that's mentioned here is concerning women, women uh, you know, officially holding positions of leadership, laboring in the doctrine, not that women cannot literally uh, speak or pray, even prophesy or worship. Amen. Uh, the point that I want to make out of this passage is secondary, and that is that husbands are to primarily be the teachers and the leaders of their wives. Somebody say amen. amen. Now we're to Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Titus 2, 3 through 5. <coughs> The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So we see here that God has ordained indeed that certain women to teach. Amen. The aged women are to be both godly examples and teachers of good things. So we often talk about everyone has a calling. Ladies, that's a calling. That's a ministry. Amen. Right there. Uh, and it is ordained of God and communicated to each of you as you grow in Jesus. Now turn back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1, or rather 5, 1 Timothy 5 and 14. First Timothy 5 and 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Finally, this morning, turn back one chapter 
First Timothy chapter four, verse seven. But refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So may we have ears to hear this morning our thought, matriarchal wisdom or old wives fables. Matriarchal wisdom or old wives fables. Father, I ask for the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the authority of thy spirit and thy word, Father, that you would speak to us here this morning, Father, that you would do something of eternal substance and value. We ask, Lord, that we have ears to hear, that our hearts will be open and submitted to thy truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. So now when we think of the Christian mother, it's not merely a female that comes to mind, but rather a woman under the covenant of grace who has made a covenant of marriage with another man, amen, with children to guide and to oversee, to nurture, to discipline, to love, and to protect, etc. We know that the Bible teaches that uh, motherhood, amen, is a high calling, amen. Godly motherhood is not only ordained by God, but highly commended, amen, by God. And so the calling of the Christian mother is high and holy, an honorable calling. It conjures the image of women who are spiritually minded, who are God-fearing, who deny themselves, amen, who are Bible-quoting, who are prayerful, who intercede, who are chaste, holy, and steadfast. But above all, the Christian mother is burdened for her children. Driven and empowered. Driven. Driven and empowered by her calling. She is all ablaze to God to protect and to discipline those children entrusted to her care by God himself. She is willing to give up anything. She is willing to do anything to fulfill her task of raising up a godly seed. And she believes that God has called her to do so and that God is with her to enable her in this holy endeavor. Amen. This is something real, tangible, and experiential. Amen for the godly mother. I want you to know there was a time here in this church where the core women, amen, and again, there were always exceptions, But the core women in this church were just as zealous about their ministry to their children as the men were to preach on the streets. When you see, you know, we're going to go to Mississippi State and we're going to, you know, travel here. We're going to do this and banners and, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Grim Reaper and whatever it is. Just their talk of... (laughs) excitement of going out and taking the gospel. You you hear those conversations among the ladies, amen. They were, uh, you know, as a general rule, the, the children were neat. They were orderly, amen. There was always these homeschool events, if you will, just meticulously planned and often beautifully executed, whether it was, uh, you know, so coming together and studying a certain thing, 
uh, in homeschool or what have you, amen? A lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of effort, amen, was put into those things because somebody was burdened to be a mother, amen? There were homeschool conferences that we all attended, amen, where the biblical family, the patriarchal way, order, modesty, all that was encouraged. And there was fervent discussion often among the women over resources and books and materials and curriculum. That was a common thing to hear that, amen, but not so much anymore. Amen? By and by, the next wave of mothers, amen, seemed far less motivated. And again, there's always exceptions. I don't mean every single person, but there was another wave of individuals, of women, a lot less disciplined, more egocentric, even somewhat ragtag approached, marked by being distracted and more consumed with themselves and their problems. Amen. More worried about friends and social networking for their children. Often being offended, amen, with one another because of their children. Would rather pursue good, clean, fun, amen, rather than being burdened or troubled with raising a godly, holy, separated seed. Amen. And the tendency was to offer all sorts of excuses on why there was so little victory, why their husbands were really the problem, why they couldn't submit and couldn't agree with their husbands, why they were too busy, too pregnant, too weak, too sleepy to accomplish the will of God. Amen. I want you to know something like when a Christian Amen. But that center of the Christian is primarily focused on self. And really, this is you know something I'm seeing more and more. You know, the heart <clears throat> is it's absolutely the foundation for for being able to disciple people. Right, right. <clears throat> if a person's heart is not for God, come on. Right. I don't care what you do. You might be able right. to awaken them, you might be able to encourage. But if if for example, if a man loves his wife even close to as much as he loves Jesus, it doesn't matter what you say. He's going he's gonna to be guilty of idolatry. That's right. His heart's going to have to change. Right. The heart's going to be toward God. Come on. And then the heart's going to be, I want to do the will of God yes, sir. about everything. Come on. Yeah. I want to please Jesus. And the worst thing that can happen, the worst experience that I can face, is to disappoint yes, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the heart. The pure right. in heart shall see God. But that when, when the sinner, amen, is on self and my problem, Come on. then you don't have a purpose. Right. I mean, you don't have a purpose. Yes, it's all about you. Come on. And I've seen that over the years as a past. People, it's, just, it, it's like they never escape themselves. Come on. It's just all about them, their problems, and, you know, uh, people aren't people excited about us. Why Come on. Why aren't people talking about us? I got this problem and that problem. Hey, just on, barely staying above, That's right. you know, the spiritual water line. Uh, you know, there's no purpose that those sort of Christians tend to be listless 
at best. I want you to listen to me, Consuming Fire Fellowship. We started this church, and we were absolutely ate up with escaping the religious standard of the day. The gross family disorder, amen, that I remember and is still evident, amen, out there. Above all, I'm, I'm talking about something that if I even mention it, amen, burning in the soul, amen, something that me, something my wife, though I do not want to be that. Come on. Do not want to be And I do anything yes, sir. to get away from it. I'm not going to allow me and my children to sink down into that filth, that misrepresentation Amen. of God. I want you to know, friend, you're going to have to recover that oh. spirit. Yes, sir. Amen. Or this vision is oh. not going to survive. Yeah, right. Right. I was talking to Brother Wesley the other day, and I, I said I wanted to qualify because I was kind of talking to him along these lines. I was meditating on it, so, you know, I'm preaching what's on my heart. But, uh, you know, I don't want to be completely negative. There are positives. I'm encouraged that we are going to overcome. But, remember, this, you know, you're, this whole season of this church began about two years ago when the Holy Ghost basically told me, you know, I, if the pilot and the co-pilot, in the front, if, the, if the plane begins to take a downward trend, amen, 10 degrees. The folks in the cabin are not going to be the first to recognize it. It's going to be that pilot, that co-pilot. And so when God tells me, we're on a downward trend, you better clean this place up. You better turn this place upside down. You better get anything that's even close. This, there is a downward trend. It doesn't, it's not an obvious thing, amen, but there's got to be a new, a new, Fresh vision of the next generation yes, is going to have to at least have the vision yes, that we have, or this thing will not complete. And so it's important, amen, that we understand, that we listen, that we make corrections. And, you know, I'm really preaching to the next generation. I am really preaching to some of these young couples, amen. And it's on your shoulders, amen, to truly. Amen. Revisit the whys and the hows. And, and of course, there's different challenges for you today than there were for us. I've said it before. I do not think you can raise your children the way we raised you all in the, in the, with iPhones and computer, without some kind of strict, strict regulation. You don't believe. Amen. Well, technology, we just have to. That's kind of like guns. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. <laughs> yeah. And you don't get a load of gun in your four-year-old. Oh, right. locked up. Amen. Phones are good. What's communication? Communication from anywhere. Communication at all times. That's great. What's bad about that? When you don't want there to be communication. You understand? Right. <laughs> These things are going to have to be. You're going to have to face. You're going to have to make difficult decisions to be separated, to protect your children. Amen? We must, among other things, recover this zeal. Amen? And so I'm challenging, of course, all of us, 
but particularly this next generation, amen, young couples, mothers, amen, parents that are having children, young children, amen, I'm challenging you, amen, to revisit, amen, to recover this zeal. So this morning, may we be encouraged to see wise matriarchal wisdom embraced and promoted but the old wise fables, amen, that have been in this place, amen, we're going to cover some of those, but let's discern what they are and let's be done with them, amen? Let's just throw them in the spiritual wastebasket, amen, and never visit them again, amen? But we're going to start this morning on the top. Often women merely reflect the men who lead them. Somebody say amen. Yeah. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. So we cannot fully and accurately address wives and mothers without first addressing their husbands. Amen. You know, in the New Testament, the Holy Ghost via inspired writers address the church. Amen. And the teaching, of course, was for all, but God's Spirit always recognizes His own order. In other words, everything the Spirit of God said to the church, He's not forgetting that the head of every woman is the man. Somebody say amen. amen. So we read in First Timothy, if a young married woman fails to guide the house, then she will bring a reproach. Thus we must ask, whose responsibility was it to make sure that these Teachings were both understood and adhered to. Amen. I would promote to you, amen, here this morning, that it was the husbands, the specific head over these women. Hence, brethren, any message, amen, that I preach to your wives must begin with preaching to you. Amen. You know, that's really the order of things anyway. I rarely go to married women. <laughs> I don't ever go to married women and talk to wives. I, unless, of course, their husbands are, you know, not or they're not part or they're backslid or, or passed away or divorced or whatever it may be. Do you understand? Amen. But I don't I don't go to Sister Jill if there's I go to Charlie. Amen? Amen. That's the order because he is the head. Amen. So beginning the message on Mother's Day. Dealing with the men, amen, and, you know, quoting what I'm going to quote here won't seem so out of place when we understand this principle. And this is uh, basically something that I posted on Facebook about 10 years ago to much rage and disapproval, amen, but it still holds true. The most pressing issue that threatens marriage in American culture today is not abusive men but rather manipulative women. Most modern men have been unconsciously taught to be passive and effeminate, while women are applauded for showing an aggressive, decisive, and competitive spirit. It's common today, even in so-called holiness Christian marriages, for the women to govern behind the scenes through manipulation by making their husbands pay if they dare do anything that displeases them. Now, I want you to do that again, unconscious. Most women are not that. I'm going to make him pay. They just lose the victory. Right. And the devil 
exploits that. Amen. Puts pressure. Amen. For example, they will pout or withhold support. They will cut off intimacy. They will bicker. They will fight, etc. I dare say most Christian men, even in the most conservative circles, would truly rule or control. It's about control. Someone's going to have control. You need to control freak. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come If they would truly rule their households as the Bible commands, hundreds, if not thousands of women would manifest their rebellion by leaving their husbands in protest, and sadly, many so-called pastors and leaders would blindly support them. Granted, this rule would not be abusive as defined by God, but most professing Christian women would think otherwise. Today, men are often deathly afraid to disappoint their wives in making sound decisions while following Jesus. Yet it is frequently unconscious, merely the manifestation of the posture of their heart, the lack of zeal for God trumped by the burning affection for the wife. It is like the idolatry so common in modern evangelism. When the professing church cloaks its pragmatic compromise under the banner of love to gain the world's approval. The end result is they mistakenly give sinners what they want instead of what they desperately need. Likewise, many Christian husbands today are driven to turn the definition of marriage order on its head and then call it love. As few men are willing to do anything without gaining the approval of their wives. This is a recipe for disorder in the extreme. We are to love our lives, but we must love Jesus more, a lot more. In fact, unless a woman is deeply spiritual and committed to God's order in marriage, she will selfishly buck any man attempting to truly obey God and lead the family. There will be times that delegated authority are those under God will be required to lead in directions that demand those in subjection to that authority to solely trust in God's divine order. The grit and the integrity of a husband's authority is tested on this ground. Amen. This is true. Amen. Indeed, there is only a Queen Jezebel in Israel because there is a King Ahab on the throne. Amen. Leadership often means everything. Indeed, good leadership is absolutely essential in the marriage, in the family, in the church, wherever. Amen. But in in this culture that's riddled with rebellion, dominated by the spirit of Antichrist, where the biblical Jesus is not only grossly redefined, spurned, amen, but also radically abhorred. Is that not true? In our culture, amen. It should be little wonder then that sound spiritual leadership will be considered by almost everyone as anything but godly, amen. In other words, man, if you're a biblical and Holy Ghost led leader in your marriage and in your home, you will be appreciated 
by very few. Only the most discerning, the most spiritual will see the heavenly beauty of true godly leadership. More than likely, amen, as it is with most spiritual men and women, it will take your passing for many to understand and see the wisdom of your leadership. Amen. Remember, amen, in the Gospels, mere human religious understanding always builds the sepulchers of the former prophets while they despise the word of the Lord. Remember Jesus rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchers of the prophets and your fathers killed them. In other words, you're the same spirit. Amen. Of your fathers. Amen. The only reason. Amen. That you build their sepulchers because they're not here to put the word of the Lord on you. Because if they were, you'd react just like they did. So, gentlemen, your wife, her spiritual vitality, her opinions as a homemaker and mother are merely a reflection of your leadership. Amen. And so, true, brethren, you married her. And yes, you get to enjoy all the benefits of marriage. But you also must man up to all the responsibilities of marriage as well. And first and foremost, that would include teaching her, teaching your wife. Amen. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Amen. That you have a wife. Honey, what does this mean? Honey, how should I look at this? Honey, what do I need to believe about that? Amen. That's a woman who wants to be taught. Amen. When's the last time you asked your husbands to teach you? Amen. Something. This, I might add, is one of the primary ways you're to fulfill your obligation to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives. I'm not going to bring that up to my Wednesday night. While romance, amen, should be a normal part of any godly marriage, romantic love will not fulfill this husband's call to love his wife. In fact, it may be the greatest threat and hindrance. Amen. The love that is commanded here is the more principle-based love. Teaching or discipleship from a biblical perspective is far more than a generic Bible study. Amen. Again, this is the Norman Rockwell Christianity where I sit down with my new wife and we have a Bible study. And there's nothing wrong 
with having a Bible study, amen? But discipleship, again, is much more than just memorizing biblical facts. It is addressing character, amen? And the husband has been put as a head, amen, over to teach, to disciple, to wash, amen, to wash with the washing of the water of the word, amen? That's not the wife's place to do to the husband, but it's the husband's place to do to the wife. It's a calling. It's what God ordained. Well, I need mean, doesn't rebuke me. God ordained that that's what he does. You ought to embrace it instead of fighting. Biblical discipleship, personal teaching, will often be probing in the extreme, even intrusive. God's Spirit using the husband. We want to do things about the Bible, right? Yeah. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Even the verse here, amen, addresses this sanctify, this correct, this getting things straight, getting things lined up. No disagreement, no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish. Right? Okay, well, let's be good. That's what we're talking about. God's Spirit using the husband in the same way Jesus used is used to sanctify the church by exposing and correcting all unscriptural thinking. You going to tell your wife what to think? Yep, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir, I am. Romans 12 and 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you survey the Gospels, it's inescapable. Much, most of Jesus' ministry to the 12 disciples was corrective in nature. Confronting them, amen, if not in almost every passage, certainly in every chapter. And usually it was addressing things that they said that was unscriptural. Amen? You know, anytime your wife says something unscriptural, it would be time to say, now listen, we're not going to think like that. Oh, I wasn't thinking, I was just saying, no, you're deceived. I've been blown to the heart of the mouth speak. You said that's in your heart, and we're not believing that, and don't you ever, ever say it again. Amen. Amen. Man, truth's right. Good preaching, brother. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. That's not a joke. Amen. That's right. <clears throat> Quote, that, that's what that means. That's right. Cool. <laughs> you know, you do nothing but forgiveness. You call. That's right. I'm not saying that marriage, you understand. I'm not saying marriage is nothing but with you. I'm just saying, though, whatever's necessary, whatever's appropriate. It's not like, well, you know, I've been doing nothing but rebuking her all day, so maybe this evening I'll give her a break. If she says something coming to the Word of God, right. you've got to do that straight, Mr. You believe that? Yes, sir. Yeah. I used to think, you don't have to say that. People believe that. 
I can remember when we first got married. I believe my and my wife was, you know, she wanted to do the right thing. But I remember, I I I, I remember, you know, she was kind of like, wow, this is like, cause I'm getting repeats all day long. Come on. This is part of your calling, gentlemen, to disciple your wife, to wash her with the washing of the word of God. No, it's going to be laborious for someone to get reviewed to life. If the motives are wrong. That's right. right. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, that's my experience with discipleship as well. When I worked with Brother Kim, he's with me all day. Anything I said or did, it was under critique. It was free game. And thank God for that. Amen. Everything yes, that I did. To, to, to down to the slightest attitudes were brought under scrutiny. Amen. Amen. That is discipleship. Amen. And don't, if, if, listen to me. If a, if a husband isn't going to do that with his wife, amen, then who who's more suited than your husband? And again, I realize, uh, you know, for those of you whose husbands have passed away or your husbands are are gone or your husband's not serving God, I do believe in those cases. God, amen, will give you grace. Amen? amen? But for those of you who claim to be Christians, amen, you're here in the kingdom of God, that is the order. Amen? That is the order. It is part of what God has called you to do to love your wife. And if you're not doing that, I don't care how many dates you go with her, you do not love her. That's right. Amen. amen. Like with Jesus and his disciples, this teaching or this discipleship was not so much formal, nor was it limited to some sort of schedule. No, it is ongoing, spontaneous, addressing even the slightest deviations from Scripture in attitude or thought. Amen. Not even a spot, blemish, or wrinkle was to be overlooked. In other words, a meticulous zeal for agreement and purity of biblical thought. Oh. So date night with Jesus. Uh -huh. <laughs> These Jesus confronting and correcting every unfeminine, worldly, humanistic thought expressed via what someone says. Oh. This is why with discipleship in general, close relationships are imperative. <laughs> So as to find out what people are thinking. So there could be challenging, right. confrontation, reasoning through ideas, concepts, methods, measuring their biblical value, amen, their practical influence in our lives according to the word of God, purging every unscriptural thought, changing the way that we think, amen. When I got born again, I was on fire for God. I was as saved as a person uh, could be. But there were a lot of things that I didn't see right oh. until a brother in Jesus oh. told me, that's not right. Remember the Bible said. Come on. Come on. Amen. I believe I said that or thought that. I never even really uh -huh. considered that. Come on. Do that washing. Yes. Come on. That renewing of the mind. Amen. Praise God. That's, if you will, address all those old wives' fables. Amen. So our wives will be suitably equipped to fulfill their domestic calls. 
as we read, amen, the younger women should concentrate on their domestic callings and build a sound testimony above reproach. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear, bear children, God the house, give them occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So the younger women should concentrate on learning, not on teaching. Amen? Amen. I need to learn something. Amen? Just because you got married and left the house, amen, at 20 or uh, 18 or 23 or 25, whatever it may be, uh, that doesn't mean you're ready to teach. You're ready to learn. Amen? So, young ladies, ever seeking the counsel of those who have gone before you, concentrating on your domestic calling, with the purity of your testimony, amen, as of the utmost concern, you're to be readily instructed, coming under the authority of your husband while throwing yourself into your responsibilities as a wife and mother, understanding that your calling, like all callings, cannot be properly executed apart from divine grace and the ongoing empowering of the Holy Ghost. Seeking God moment by moment, day by day, to be filled with the Holy Ghost so that you can be a godly mother. Somebody say amen. amen. Next, the aged women should both live and teach good things. The aged women likewise, if they be in behavior, as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now, the first observation here is the scriptures clearly indicate that it should be the aged women who should primarily set the example and teach the younger women. Simply meaning aged, the experienced wives and mothers who've raised families and have a long history or testimony of purity, holiness, and sound biblical Ideas, Amen. So we're talking about the only legitimate area where God has licensed, if you will, a woman to teach. She is to teach domestic matters to the younger women. Amen. And so a woman's teaching ministry, though, should be judged the same way any man's teaching ministry should be judged. I, I, don't, I don't go to Joe Olstein, amen, for counsel. Because he says too many things contrary to the Bible. Yeah, Amen. And so, ladies, you need to speak as the oracles of God. Yeah. You don't need to utter fables and myths and internet fodder and other such stupidity. Amen. Things that are in the Bible Amen. and addressing the things that you have any authority to teach. Amen. This, of course, doesn't mean that younger women have nothing to offer or that they should be considered ill-informed. Only that it makes absolutely no sense to ignore the experience of aged women who have raised whole families. Amen. To inquire of someone, on the other hand, who just started out in their maternal journey. Amen. Now, and that granted, if there were no women here, amen, that were holy and pure and that were following the Bible, then you shouldn't seek 
anyone's counsel that's going to tell you something other than the Bible. But I disagree with that. Amen. I think there are aged women here that you could consult. A lot of times people don't want to consult someone because they do not uh, want to hear right what they're going to say. Now the question fostered here by Titus 2 and 3 is obvious. What good things should the aged women teach? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. In other words, always obey your husband. To love their children. That means disciplining them, nurturing, modeling obedience to them. <coughs> To be discreet, not running from house to house like busybodies, amen, gossiping about anything or anyone, discussing any people other than that which is under your care. Yeah. Amen. That means you give more amen than that. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not talking about your husband. Chase, keepers at home. In other words, inclined to domestic duties. Yeah, sometimes I have to go do something. I'd rather be home. I got stuff to do here. This is my call. I will travel to preach. And I'll even embrace it. But it's left to me I, because my, my heart's here. Right. For God's called me to be. Yeah. I just shouldn't be here. I, I, don't, I get out of here and do that. I'm ready to come home. I got lots to do here. Amen. That should be the same. Amen. With women. That the word of God be not blessed. <laughs> now, I want you to listen to this. There is absolutely no excuse. <coughs> there is no justification for you not to be able to fulfill every single one of those commands and any and every spiritual implication of each command. You got that? There is no excuse. There is no justification. You can do all of that. Every single bit by grace. And if you're not doing it, it's nobody's fault but you <coughs> and perhaps your husband. Amen. Now, again, when I say that, I mean he's going to answer for it. But even without him, you can do the will of God. Moreover, you must not say or do anything that would give the impression otherwise, lest you teach something other than good things. Namely, you are to propagate and promote scriptural wisdom for the common domestic calling placed on Christian women. The fruit of godly teaching always parallels salvation. The progression is always the same. It brings disorder into order. It transforms darkness into light, sin into holiness, disobedience, amen, into submission. The biblical doctrines regarding marriage and family are no different. Teaching good things will establish one discipline as a foundation for the next. 
Amen. Now I want you to know in the marriage, in the home, order is absolutely essential. Without order, nothing of any eternal value can take place. Amen. Sir, if you cannot command your household, then there's very little good that you're going to do in the kingdom of God. You understand that? You're going to rule your house. That means in that jurisdiction, you can stop. Or you can start it. Amen? There's nothing. Stop it, start it. Or if you're not going to stop, start then you're gone. Amen? I've seen those individuals that will not confront their children or their wife. You know what happens? Those children get older and they have absolutely no respect for that parent. Because they never would gain control. That's how important that is. Really, this is some kind of preoccupation, I think, brother. No, it's a weakness. That's why it's emphasized. Do you understand? It's not the whole of Christianity. It's not the whole of marriage. Not the whole of a discipleship. But it is extremely important. And it is a weakness that most people struggle with. <coughs> Parents, if you can't control that first child, it's going to be twice as difficult to get the control of the next. If you can't control your children, Cannot decide. Whoever you listen, you can't control that child. Right. They're not gonna respect for you. No, that's right. You can say you can do this. And they're gonna yeah. You can do that. That's right. You can't do that in return. You have no control. You never you're not gonna influence them and you don't love them. And you don't love them. That's right. And you don't love them. You fail and you better repent and get control. Watching people raise their children. And this is what they're like. They got people in here like child behind my parent. Very good. Right? It's like so, so godly. <laughs> yes, sir. The only person that doesn't know <laughs> taking you. That eight-year-old becomes 18, you're finally going to tell you to your face. You're not going to have, you're not going to have the respect. Unless you, listen to me, you're going to have to deal with their will. You're going to have to have some discernment. Amen. And then it's your responsibility to make sure your wife is not growing bitter in the way as she faces difficulty, as she surely will. Amen. Teaching, demonstrating, amen. Nothing but what the Bible said. Doesn't matter our experience, honey. Amen. Doesn't matter whether you like it or not. Doesn't matter whether you think it works or it don't work. Amen. I'm talking to somebody last week. I spank, but it doesn't work because my children don't obey. Wrong presupposition. Come on, man. No, wrong conclusion. Spanking does work. Amen? The reason your children don't obey is because you're not spanking them. 
your definition of spanking with that McDonald's straw in your back pocket. Amen. It falls woefully short. Amen. 
Understand, this is where people get so like, well, you're dirty, right? You just love. You, in the natural, love spanking your children. No, I love doing the will of God. Come on. Yeah. And when I'm embracing what God said about it, and then I'm going to acquiesce. I'm going to love it in my heart. But this is what God said. Come on. It's the wisdom of God. Yes, sir. I'm going to bow my knee to it. Amen. So we had to get a spanking university. Hey, you Then you go to homeschool and your children went, sit down. And they can't sit You're not going to homeschool anybody. Right. Right. It just comes all apart. I watch people. I see their families. And I'm, you know, somebody comes by and says, who it is? And they just, I say, my God. It's just like I said, you know, you go out that field, amen, and the, the corn's planted. There's, there's not a, there's not a weed, amen, and from every angle, amen, everything's online, and it's just beautiful, and someone thinks, oh, man, I'd love to uh, plant, uh, you know, a field of corn like that. There's a lot of labor represented right there. A lot of labor represented right there. And all these guys homeschooling, patriarchy. <laughs> we can't even get out of bed in the morning to pray. You want to make a terrible mess of it. That's right. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to disturb you. You can't overcome it. Don't think you can just, you know, shoot from the hip with this stuff. You got to have the word of the Lord. That, that it should produce a humility yes, that yes. drives us Amen. to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. We are to refuse all lives faith. You know, I can remember we had our, our first home birth. Now, home births, yes, that's the spirit. But it's something we felt like God wants to do. You understand? So it was a step outside of the, the norm. And uh, that was my, then we had uh, a terrible experience. You know, it was, it was, it was bad. I had an abortion doctor delivered mine. <laughs> the abortion doctor back news that I preached it. And I it, it was just a mercy of God that I didn't recognize I didn't recognize him. I think he recognized me because he was acting very strange. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how bad can it get? Come on. Come on. It, it, my wife's in labor for I don't know, it seemed like a week. <laughs> I mean, it is just like bad. And then we transported to the hospital. You know, if you've ever, those of you who've been through that, yes, sir. You're, you're like, uh, yes, sir. You're, you're, you're like the, the, uh, the guy that killed, uh, what's his name up in uh, Minneapolis? You, you're a bad guy. That treats you terrible. That's right. But then you have the abortion doctor to your baby. And I didn't know that until I got the bill. And then I saw the name. In the hospital, you're not, and we're not in the same. Come on, come on, come on. Keep this way. That's right. Anybody, yes, sir. If they think God was come on, come on. Don't you dare say one of four. Yeah, we're not lying. It was a bad experience. Come on. 
But we are all for yes. anybody who wants to do that. Amen. Father Jesus. And even later, years up, we, we ended up having children. In fact, I think uh, we had a, a woman, a doctor, who, you know, she, my wife had a C-section. So once you have a C-section, you probably know this, but they don't like to let, let you have a natural birth. And that would be called D-bag, is that right? Huh? Something like that. So we found a, a, a woman, a, a doctor, who would work with us, and she said you could never have a baby that big because my wife was you know, smaller. And said, so she said we're going to induce the child, you know, early or whatever. We had I don't know how many children like that, but you know God was dealing with us to do it. And uh, how many times did we have a child home? About half of them we had to transport. Right? Joshua, Bethany, Elisha, right. and Lincoln. Right. So, but with Bethany, who we call the miracle baby, <laughs> Bridget was pregnant about the same time that she was pregnant with Micah. She was due at a similar time, and she was late, like as long as I knew Micah. Like a month or something. Tommy and I had people calling me, and my pastor called me. He offered to pay for the whole thing. Just uh, and we were, you know, it was a it was a test, but we felt like God wanted us to do it, and we did it. And Bethany was born. She was large. They said you're never gonna have a baby that big. She was larger by one inch, I think, and uh, in weight, an ounce or so. She was bigger. So. <laughs> <laughs> which was like to us hey it was like it was God I, mean, Come on. I can do anything Come on. Come on. to man but see so many people have a bad experience and, so, and then they go and just utterly just Come rain on. on everybody they're not sensitive they don't Come on. maybe God wants that person to do that yes, sir. Yes, sir. amen you better teach good things See, why did I do that? Because I didn't want to teach them that. Right. You sense that? Look, you're not, we're not going to do that. We're not going and telling people and trying to concentrate on our bad experience to dissuade them from doing what they think God made them do. Amen. And she didn't want to do that either. I'm just saying. But, you know, preemptive. We're going to keep a right spirit. Now, this is an absolute. We can only absolutely know those things which are written in the Word of God. Amen. Our epistemology is divine revelation. Amen. That's the way we know things. Right. You can't know anything for sure. Say Amen. Amen. Because God is perfect and infallible. Yeah. His Word is infallible. We may believe other things, but we must admit that we embrace those things by sheer faith. Yeah. We cannot prove anything except from what God says. Yeah. So though it's lawful to have opinions, what we should dogmatically promote to others should be the truth of the Word of God. Yeah. You know, over the years as uh, a pastor here, people visit our little church, and I may ask them, did you have you know, good fellowship? You went over to this house, and this family, and what have you. 
And they often would respond with statements like, well, yeah, it was good, but uh, this sister, all she did was try to convince me that microwaves cause cancer. Or, you know, they warned me that they're breathing this chemical. They're going to give me some kind of disease. Or are you definitely afraid of black mold? If you get like, all I'm talking about is table sugar more addicted than cocaine. <laughs> That's, That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't believe that. It's your business. You, you refrain from teaching people that. Come on. I'm having so many children, it's, it's ruining my trim figure. And these things happen. You hear me? No, I'm not making this up. Yeah, just what you want to tell the young woman. There's this green power. What is that stuff called? Barley green. Huh? Barley green. <laughs> that's like burning tractor tires. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> more, more nutritious than any natural food. You're a real fundamentalist, a real Bible thorough approach. Better than what God made. <laughs> like if someone told me, like I know right now, I'm not wasting my money on that stupid stuff. It ain't better what God made. That's right. That's right. And I could go on and on and on. Now, let me tell you something. Life hasn't passed God or the King James Bible. Come on, that's right. Right. Everything you need to know is right there. Yes, that's sir. Right. Yep. Amen? Right. Now, again, if you don't want to use a microwave and you want to eat green powder, <laughs> you know, the same from sugar. That, that's your business. Amen. And I grant you that liberty. Amen. Now, I do think a lot of that's ridiculous. That's right. Amen. But I, I, I admit, I believe that by faith. But per Romans 14, you don't want to do that. That's fine. But listen, that's not teaching good things. What a reproach for someone to leave your house. And the only thing they can say is they were warned about not using the microwave. Yes. There's, of course, what I call the feminine hormonal warfare. Yes. And we just, they can't seem to purge this stuff. Now, this, this I, don't, I don't think you've ever used. Because it's really that stupid. It's a, it's a total lie. And you know, I'm pregnant. It's that time of night. So therefore, my, my hormones are raising. Now, here's where all the, whatever the excuse is. I can't, I can't get up in the morning. I can't be joyful. I'm just so emotional. I can't get out of bed. I can't, I can't do it with God. I can't clean my house. Hey, take care of my baby. I pointed out last time a mental cycle brings about as much hormonal disruption to your body as a sunburn. Mm. Oh. 
Are hormones real? Yeah, of course they're real. Yeah. Anyone in the Bible says you have to be governed by your hormones? All this, I'm, I'm, <laughs> so if I talk to one of these young men, they go through some hormonal challenges. Right? Right. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I mean, last week, all I can think about is four things. <laughs> What'd you say? Huh. First of all, that seems totally inappropriate. Could someone be tempted like that because yeah. oh. hey, talk to me. Oh, yes. Come on. Yes, yes, sir. What kind of weirdo is going to say that? Come on. I'm overcome. Yes, sir. Come on. 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 And mister, anytime your wife says something like that, you can just say, that's the last time. You're out of heart. Such foolishness. Yes, sir. Amen. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's a lie. Amen. You can do all things through Christ that strengthen it, you. Yeah. Hear what's going on in your hormones. Amen. We all have hormones. Last time on the street, thank you, Jim Sanchez. He walked up to me and said, You need a lot of wood guy. No, he's not hormones. Not hormones. I'm taking more calories than I'm burning. Is it? Yeah. There's no difference. That's right. right. Like, shut up. Come on. Don't bring it up again. Come on. Don't teach that. It's not good things. Yes, sir. You can love your husband. You can love your children. You can be a keeper. You can be chaste and holy without uttering that kind of nonsense. Because all that is is an excuse. Right. Right. Mark feels sorry for me. Whatever you're going through, the Holy Ghost. No one has an excuse even to disobey the commandments of God under any <coughs> being burned at the stake, skinned alive, crucified upside down. And because it's your time of the month, you lose the victory. You'll be ashamed of yourself. That's right. And you may not be more ashamed that you won't correct that. That right. it keeps being said. And these things keep being uttered. And then even though time after time after time that has been addressed. As in, and there's a lot of things. This is just, I'm bringing up some of these things because it's, it really is unthinkable. You only think it the way that I think. Like if one of my, we're not doing that. We're not, we don't believe that. What are you doing? As we mentioned, transparent thinking, seeking godly counsel, and asking questions are key dynamics in discipleship. 
However, over the years, we found that people who are self-willed and unteachable often don't ask questions or seek counsel. They already perceive the general tenor of the answer and don't want to be confronted with truth unconsciously right. seeking to escape the culpability that life brings. There are families in here that never, ever sat down and asked me about correcting, disciplining, or spanking the children. There's others all do is fight them. Absolutely. Unthinkable. And you know, time goes on before you know it. It's past getting hold of that. Right. I mean, I've said it time to time, you're not going to over-discipline your children. Yeah. The warnings of the Bible are not over-discipline, but under-discipline. So such people gravitate toward teachers having itching ears, other mothers, or even couples who will tell them what they want to hear. That's where they, you know, birds of a feather flocking together, these families coming together where there's these, you know, central agreements, but disagreeing really with the vision. And as time moves on, it's exposed for what it is. Amen. For many in this second wave of mothers, no questions about child discipline. Amen. Some have never asked one single question. Amen. Now, in the beginning, you know, because, again, I had small children, and we had, you know, a lab lab in the back of the church <laughs> where we had demonstrations. <laughs> but sometimes I'm back here and I hear what you're saying. And I, this is a little bit different, so I understand. You know, but I heard not long ago, I heard somebody in there and a child was, I mean, like they were getting, I thought, thank God. Somebody's not afraid for that child to sound like that. That's right. Come on. Anybody heard us speaking? What do they do? I know McDonald's. Strong. I hear me. You're crazy. And Charlie said, I don't ever want to do anything. That's right. I don't ever, ever, ever want to do anything. That's what they said. And you get to bring that child to repentance. I brought them, you children said so they're, they're, they're a lot more tolerant of pain than you think they are. Oh, that's right. You get to break their will. You don't break their will. You can't do nothing to that child. You hate them. You hate them. That's right. Self-centered. And you ain't able to do anything for them. You're not going to win them to Jesus. They're not going to listen to a word you say. That's right. Did you have their will? But we hear the same sort of thinking in seed form. Not as full-blown, but the same carnal reasoning that we ran from with a vengeance 30 years ago. That's what I'm saying. Because I know exactly what's going on. I know what's going on. I know the condition. And these sorts of ideas, they may not seem obvious, and they're not obvious yet. But if there's not some changing in the way people think, amen, then you're going to lose these influences in your life. Yeah. You're going to have to carry the banner, friend. Yeah. You're going to have to believe the Word of God. 
Ultimately, it's the husband's responsibility to address these issues. Granted, it's not that we don't expect some folks to make mistakes or that people have to learn. New believers are going to have bad ideas. They're going to express those bad ideas. Amen. They're going to do and say stupid, unscriptural things. The issue is, even after it's been addressed, why does it continue? As I said, the message I preach to your wife, I'm preaching to you. Where's the breakdown? Why won't men address these issues or solve the problem? Are they blind? Are they indifferent? Are they afraid? It's probably a combination of all those things. Whenever, amen, you hear your wife or children express something other than the Bible. Now, I think a lot of people are just not even very sensitive. So things are being said all the time, and they just, Well, the first thing, yeah, seek to stop it. Amen? Amen. But but more, more than that, you know, and unfortunately, you know, in the past, that's the kind of thing that I would probably emphasize as I teach. Like, I'm going to stop that. And yes, I'm going to stop it. But also, I'm going to have to wherewithal the wisdom and the ability to influence and persuade and to teach otherwise. I'm just yes. going to be shut up, stop. I'm going to sit down and teach. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to teach my wife the Bible. That's right. I'm going to say, okay, here's the lie. This is the lie. Right. And this is what the Bible says. What do you think? Well, what about this? No. You understand? Let's reason through this until I gain her heart. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's not just, but if it came to, I don't agree with you. Well, you don't agree with me, don't you say you? But that's not usually the case. The case is usually, amen, God has anointed me to lead. I can stop it. I have the authority to stop it, but I also have the ability, amen, and the God-given grace to teach why we should stop it. Amen? Sound authority has the ability to change minds. Sound authority has the anointing to influence, whether by imposition or persuasion. Sound authority leads. Among other things, it shows the way clearly. Again, this is a reason why you need to be seeking God, sir. Because you have to have the word of the Lord. All those ideas. And I realize if you marry you know, someone here that hopefully they would not have as many bad ideas as someone in the world. Well, there's still going to be things that you have to address. There's no, there's no question about that. So when God corrects thinking from this pulpit, and yet you keep thinking that way, what conclusions should I arrive at? You either don't get discipleship, you don't practice discipleship, or you don't want discipleship. Or a combination of the three. Amen? Amen. That's right. Well, I don't know if there is some legitimacy to that hormonal stuff. Well, then come show me the Bible. Okay? 
It'll show me how that is found. Right? I know. But if not itself, right? It's stupid. Right. It's a lie. Amen. Okay, God hates it. God hates right. it. Right. Amen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, I'll get it back there. <coughs> so I won't be able to get it. I, I, I was trying to get home as fast as I could, but I pulled over because I had to rest my back, and there's a lady there, and then it fell into the <laughs> It's so stupid, you don't want to say something like that. But that's really, it's just excuse. <coughs> right. It doesn't matter what I feel. Right. It doesn't matter what you feel. Don't let feelings define. Are feelings real? Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as ADD. There's no such thing as uh, depression. There's no such thing as uh, bipolar. There's no such thing that's just demonic. There's sin. I mean, that's all there is. Yeah. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> Man. But yeah. you think with the war against depression, of course, it's involved. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that feeling's not real. Yeah. Just saying, I'm a Christian. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I don't have to be dominated by that. Yes, sir. I mean, greater is he. Greater. You believe that? Greater. What is it? Right. What is it? Hormones. Are they greater than Jesus or not? Come on. Oh, my God. Quit saying that. Come on. Right. That's how you move forward. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jesus. Did you hear that, honey? We heard that, right? So, this, I, I remember like these three or four things. We just, we're not saying that. We don't believe that. That's a lie. We don't want to lie. We want to tell the truth, right? Amen. Yes. That's so rejoice. Amen. Let God expose that. Yeah. Amen. 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 And then we go 10 years and nobody ever says it. Right. You meet people all that are saying it and you go, hey. Come on. You have the sunburn, you can't get it up. You're like, <laughs> come on. And they get delivered. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Matriarchal wisdom. Come on. Our old lives. Choices are. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift your hands and thank Him for the truth. Thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We give you praise and glory. Thank you. You ask for that you would indeed take us all this narrow way. Father, our hearts and our minds and our spirits towards you. We ask you whether we be settled in these things. But our ladies, our wives, our mothers, be established in these good things. That their testimony would be so. 